this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Last week we looked at three ways to overcome panic. This week we're going to talk about the fundamental reason why we never have to panic again. The secret is that God is holy. Now that may not mean much to you, but listen to this amazing reality. God's holiness means that he is untouchable by evil. God in no way can be harmed or affected by evil in this world. You might say, well, how does that help me? Well, God establishes holy places in this world because he himself is holy. And if you decide to go into that holy place and stay there the rest of your life, you will never have to worry about being harmed by evil ever again. People like Moses and Joshua and Jacob stumbled onto these holy places and they were never the same again. So listen in and discover how you can find your holy place of perpetual safety. All right, well, we're going to keep looking at this topic of panic, of panic. Um, Panic paralyzes you. Have you ever been panicked before? I want you to think just just for a minute of a time when you were completely panic-stricken. It may have been when you lost your job. It may have been when you ran out of money. It may have been when your parents divorced. It may have been when you were facing divorce, but you panicked. And I want you to, I want you to internalize that feeling right now, that feeling of panic um, that absolutely petrifies you, it paralyzes you. And you know what? Whenever you panic, it drains you of every single bit of energy that you have. When you panic, you don't have any strength, you don't have any energy, you don't have the ability or capability of getting anything done. And let me tell you something, God doesn't want you to panic. He doesn't want you to panic. Panic does not come to God for Christians. And so last last week, I gave the example, and I want you to picture this. Uh, Our lives as Christians are like walking through a Louisiana swamp up to your neck crocodiles do they have crocodiles no they have alligators not crocodiles they have alligators in the swamp you feel them coming up against your side you feel something slithering around your leg you feel your foot uh, sinking down into the mud and you know what I've learned that's how our lives are as Christians you're walking through a Louisiana swamp danger all around you and you have two options you can either panic or you can begin to realize I don't have to panic in any situation I don't have to panic I can be strong when I'm faced with threats with adversity with danger I don't have to panic and we looked last week in Isaiah um, 7 verse 4 We see three ways that you can overcome panic in your life. I'm not going to go over them in detail, but they were that you watch or you're careful, you keep calm, and you're not afraid. You're fearless. You're fearless. And uh, when, when it comes to being careful, when you have a problem, are you going to focus on the problem or are you going to focus on your faith in God? Watch your faith. God is watching over you and your problem. What you need to do is you need to watch over your faith in God. Make sure your faith is strong. Make sure your faith is connected to God. And when you do that, you're not going to panic in these situations. You'll be strong when you're confronted with difficult situations. That was number one. Number two, you're going to stay calm 
Because you're trusting in God, you're not trusting in yourself. That's a, that's a second way that you keep from panicking. And the third way that you keep from panicking is you're fearless because you know who Jesus is. If you're a fearful person, the way you overcome worry and anxiety and panic is you get to know God better and better and better every day. Just get to know Jesus better every day, and you will be a fearless person. I asked you to do this last Sunday. I want you to just, just for a second dream, daydream of what it would be like if you were fearless. You never worried ever again in your whole life. What would that be like? Wouldn't that be incredible? God wants you to be fearless. He wants you to be worry-free, all right? How are you going to do that? By getting to know Jesus more and more and more. Perfect love, his perfect love casts out all fear. And so we talked about that. So today what I'd like to share with you is from Isaiah 8. I'd like to share with you why you don't have to panic. Now I'm going to tell you why. I told you three ways how you don't, how you can avoid or overcome panicking but now I'm going to tell you why you'd never have to panic again in your whole life. No matter what happens, you never, ever have to panic again. And it's found in this simple verse. The only verse we're going to cover in Isaiah 8 is this one right here. Isaiah 8, 14, it says, He, he's talking of God, this, the Bible's speaking of God, He will be a holy place. He will be a holy place. In other words, He will be a holy place for you. And when you realize that God provides you a place for you to be at 24-7, 365 days a year, you never will panic again because you'll realize, I'm in a holy place. And I want to I describe that a little bit more today. When you aren't smart enough, God is your holy place. When you don't have enough money, God is your holy place. When you have been overlooked from promotion at work or overlooked in a marriage, God is your holy place. When you're sick, God is your holy place. When you are lonely, don't go looking to solve loneliness with relationship. God is your holy place. When, you have to, uh, when you've run out of ideas of how to fix a problem, God is your holy place. Amen. And so uh, listen to this. When we start talking about God's holiness, because I read the Bible and I say God's holy or we talk about the Holy Spirit. It says you be holy because I am holy. Speaking of God, not me. <laughs> I'm like, OK, what does that mean anyways? What is holiness? What does it do for me? And I've realized more and more in the Bible, I have to realize what that thing is, whether it's faith, holiness, righteousness, I have to realize what that does for me. And when I realize what it does for me, then I begin to appreciate it more. And I want you to walk out these doors today appreciating God's holiness. I want you to appreciate it. Listen to this. There is no pride. There's no talent, there's no beauty, there's no strength, there's no power, there's no intellect, no wisdom that can touch God. All right? Stephen Hawking, does anybody know who Stephen Hawking is? He passed away recently, the most, apparently the smartest man on earth. He passed away, he was paralyzed, he couldn't even speak, but it, the brilliant mind, his intellect paled in comparison to God Almighty. Paled in comparison to God Almighty. You think of the strongest person in the world, the most powerful person in the world. Let, listen to me. They can't touch God. 
God is holy. He's holy. He's high. He's exalted. He's almighty. That's why you don't need to panic. <laughs> because God is holy. If you're panicking, it's because you don't realize how holy God is. He's high and exalted. He's, his thoughts are holy. His words are holy. His actions are holy. And his intentions and motives are holy. You never have to question whether God has bad plans for you. He's got holy plans for you. In Isaiah 6.3, it speaks of, of this vision that Isaiah had of God in heaven. And there was angels going back and forth, and they were crying out about God. They were saying, holy, 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 the whole earth is the Lord all God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is holy. Whether you guys realize it, whether I realize it or not, he is holy, he's high and exalted. And what, what I want to share with you about this, if we're not comprehend this, comprehending this completely, is this. When we say God is holy, it means he's separate. He's separate. He's separate from this world. He's separate from the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. He's separate from, uh, from business. He's separate from harm he's separate from violence he's separate from abuse god is holy he's high and above all the messes of this world he's separate he's in a different place and what does it mean so here's our world here's our universe god is outside of our universe outside of our of our of our world he's separate he's high above it and let me tell you what this means, and this is what I want you to get today. He is untouchable by the evil of this world. God cannot be touched, affected, or harmed by the evil that's in this world. Not by the most evil person in the world, not by Satan himself. God is separate and untouchable by evil. Now look at this in Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. In other words, the one that's separate from this world. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. In other words, his, his name is beyond this universe. It's beyond any name of any emperor, any king, any dictator. God's name is separate and above all of those names. I live, this is what God says, I live in a high and holy place but also with the one who is contrite, in other words, the one that's brokenhearted and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite, the brokenhearted. Have you ever been brokenhearted to where all you could do is sob? You couldn't, you couldn't even function because you were so brokenhearted? The holy God that's outside of this universe also lives here with us to lift us up, to help us not panic in our most desperate, dire situations. The holy God. Why does God himself not panic? Have you ever pictured that maybe God panics and says, oh my word, what did I do? I, I created all these people and now they've gone south and they're crazy and they're hurting each other. And, and oh my goodness, do you think God has ever panicked? Ever? 
No, he hasn't panicked. And here's why he hasn't panicked. He can't be harmed by evil. He can't even be touched by evil. He's holy. He's separate. He's untouchable. God can't be overcome or defeated by anything in this whole wide world. God has never lost a battle, and he never will. That is why God never panics. He's holy, either physically or spiritually. Now look at this. Let's look again at Isaiah 8:14. He will be a holy place. He will be a holy place. He's not only holy, he provides a place for you to go to so that you can be safe, untouched by any evil thing ever. He will be a holy place. Look at this. Moses was on the backside of the desert. If you've ever seen pictures or documentaries of the Sinai Peninsula and and all that area between Egypt and Israel and Jordan, it's a moonscape. It's dry. It's hot. Temperatures get up to 130 plus degrees out there. There's snakes. There's vipers. There's scorpions. There's all kinds of things that could harm you out there. And Moses was out there day in and day out for 40 days. One day he walks up on a strange scene and he sees a bush that's burning, but it's not being burnt up. It's just burning. And so he walks over closely close to this bush and we see in Exodus 3, 5, what, what happens. God speaks to him out of this burning bush and he says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. What? Take off your sandals where there's scorpions and snakes and vipers, and all kinds of things. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Let me tell you what. When Moses walked into that place of holiness, he could not be harmed. He could not be hurt. He could not be touched. It was a place that God, the Holy One that transcends our universe, had come back and put out a perimeter and said, if you stand right here, nothing is going to harm you. It's holy. It's untouchable. This similarly happened with Joshua. Joshua just crossed over the Jordan River, and there he was in enemy territory. Let me tell you what, if any one of those Canaanites could have gotten a hold of Joshua, they would have ripped him limb from limb. They would have killed him and they would have tortured him because he represented a threat to their country. But you know what? Joshua was out there on the plains of Jericho thinking about what was about to happen. And he saw a man standing there and he walks up to the man confidently and says, Who are you? Are you with us? Are you for us? Or are you against us? And the man said, Neither. As commander of the armies of the Lord, I have come. He said, Take off your sandal because you are standing on holy ground. You know what? Joshua fell to the ground in a very vulnerable way. His back exposed. He could have been shot with an arrow. He could have been cut with a sword. He could have been, but you know what? Nothing happened. Why? Because he was on holy ground. You know where your holy ground might be? It might be in a hospital room right now. You have no hope. You're sick. The doctors have given you no hope. But you know what? You're on holy ground. You might be in a school where there's all kinds of godlessness going on. Nothing, nothing hopeful going on. Let me tell you what. If you're a Christian, you're on holy ground. 
You might be in a family situation right now. Your family's falling apart. It's dysfunctional. People are going haywire. You're a Christian. You're on holy ground right there in that house that you live in. God creates a holy place where you're untouchable by evil. He protects you. He sets a hedge of protection around you. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear and serves him, and he delivers them. You're in a holy place. You and I, we need to start walking around with that spiritual confidence. God is protecting me. He's going to uphold me. He's going to deliver me, and he's going to give me victory. I'm going to see a victory, as we sang today. Praise the Lord. Back, back then when, when they talked about a sanctuary, have you ever heard of a, a bird sanctuary or an animal sanctuary, maybe in parts of Africa, and South Africa, for instance? What is a sanctuary? It's a place where the animals can feel safe and know that they're not going to be poached. They're not going to be killed. They're not going to be shot. God has given you a sanctuary where you're not only saved, but you're safe. The sanctuary. In fact, people nowadays, even in modern warfare, will run to a temple, run to a mosque. I was watching a documentary where U.S. troops were aiming at a mosque, and you know what? They had to pick up the phone and ask their commanding officer if they could open fire on a mosque where all the terrorists were. (laughs) It's known in modern-day warfare that a temple or mosque, a place of worship, is a safe place for people to run to, and it's always been that way down through history, a holy place, a place of refuge, a place of asylum. People sometimes want to come to the United States from a, from a country where there's a lot of, a lot of you know, people are mistreated. They're not, safe. They're not safe, and they seek asylum in the United States. They're seeking a place to find safety for themselves. Well, in, in, uh, in uh, Psalms 91, it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter, a shelter is a safe place, the shelter of the most high God the one who's outside of this universe, the one who's untouchable. He says, if you are going to dwell in my shelter, that holy place, you will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You're going to rest. Why? Because you're safe. You found your place of refuge. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Praise God. Look for a holy place. Not four walls. Don't come in here thinking this is special. It's not. This place is only special because you and I are here and we're doing this in the name of Jesus. We're Christians. We're gathered together in his name. Anywhere where two or three are gathered together in his name, there's God in the midst of them. That place becomes a holy place. Praise God. In Psalms 46.1, God is my refuge in my strength. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Wow. So we're talking about a holy place. What, what is it about the name of Jesus that breaks every chain that frees any person who will run to the name of Jesus. What is it about that name? It's a name above every name. It's the name at which every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. You know what I did the other day? I was praying just in my own devotion time. I got down on my knees there, and I was all by myself, 
And I declared with my mouth, God, before you make me kneel, before you make me declare, I'm kneeling right now and I'm saying, Jesus, you are Lord. His name is outside of this universe. His name is untouchable. Praise God. A holy place is a spiritual location. It's not a place that you can see. It's a spiritual place or state of mind with insurmountable altitude. It's high above anything that could ever be reached by any demon, by any evil person, by any malicious person. And it's a, it's a place of insurmountable altitude where no one, no thing in all of creation can harm you. Are you in the secret place of the Most High? Are you seeking that holy place? God says, I am a holy place for you. Praise God. The secret place of the Most High. Uh, we have been seated. We're going to look at this scripture in a second. We've been seated in the heavenly realms above the universe. And, and notice this, we've been seated past tense. God plucked you up. When you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he picked you up and he seated you in a realm that's untouchable, untouchable by evil. The name of the Lord is a high tower. Your soul is safe when you hide yourself in Jesus. Let's look. I jumped ahead here. Ephesians 1 verses 20 through 22 Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's been, he was exalted, uh, was raised Christ up from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms beyond the universe, beyond the, the world that we know, a holy, untouchable place, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed everything under Jesus's feet. That's why you and I don't need to panic. That right there. But it doesn't stop there because in Ephesians 2, 6, the next chapter, it says God raised us up, you and me, those who have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are living for him and following him. He's raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms outside the evil reach of this world. Isn't that powerful? We should be so excited that we never, ever have to panic ever again in our whole entire li lives. You don't have to panic about anything. You might have an ogre of a boss or an ogre of a spouse or an ogre of children. <laughs> that happens too, all right? You don't have to panic. Isn't that great? Isn't that the best news ever? In John 17, 15 through 19, Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Some of us wish, I wish I could just die today, all right? Get it over with and go up to be with Jesus because my problems are too big for me. There's too many of them. But Jesus said, I'm not going to pray that way for you because it's not your time yet. I want you to stay in the world. But here's my prayer, that you be protected from the evil one, that by giving them a holy place, they can rest in that holy place, even though they're in the midst of an evil world, a dangerous world, that they be protected, that they not be of the world. In other words, we're separated with God. He says, you're a holy priesthood. You're a peculiar people. In other words, you're different. You're holy. You're set apart. What? And Gardman mentioned this, this, I, I think this very verse 
that we might declare the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. God doesn't want you out of this world yet because he wants you to promote the holy place to others that they might find a place of refuge as well. Praise God. That's why we got to open up our mouth and tell people about Jesus. They're not of this world. Then he says, sanctify them, make them holy so they can be untouchable by him. Don't you want to be untouchable by evil? Sanctify them, make them holy uh, by the truth. Your word is the truth. The question is, how can you find the holy place of God? Read the Bible. Practice the Bible. And God, the Bible says, he's going to sanctify you. He's going to make you holier and holier, more and more untouched by evil, more and more or less and less accessible to what goes on in this world. All right, so when people run to God, they're seeking asylum and holy protection from evil that's pursuing them. And you know what the Bible says? If you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. He will rescue. I, I think of people that I've, I've tried to witness to, I've tried to tell people about Jesus, and they're, they don't receive it. You know what I tell them just as I'm leaving, especially older people, I tell them this. If you're ever in a tight spot, just call out to Jesus. And that might be the only thing they hear. And I think of them, what if they're on their deathbed and their last breath, and they remember what that bald guy told them, and they say, Jesus, save me, and boom, they're gone. They called on the name of the Lord, and they were saved. They were rescued. They were brought into the, that state of holiness and protection. Praise God. How can you know if you're safe in the middle of the, the spiritual Louisiana swamps? Snakes all around you. Alligators coming straight at you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In other words, everywhere you go, that holy place is going with you. That place of safety. You go to the supermarket. Where did that come from? That dates me. You go to Walmart. You go to Walmart. You're safe. You cross the street, you're safe. You go to the mall, you're safe. You go to the workplace, you're safe. I remember right after the shooting here in El Paso, every time I walked into Walmart, I was freaked out, you know? And one night, I, I seriously, I felt this groundswell of evil. I was, I'd run to Walmart for something. And you know what? I believe the enemy's just out there, man. He's promoting. He's just trying to trick somebody. Go ahead and pull your gun out and go ahead and shoot people. Go ahead and do something crazy. You know what? We're in a safe place everywhere we go because of the name of Jesus. We've been marked with the name of Jesus. Your name is written on the palm of his hand. Praise God. No one, no thing can separate you from the love of God that's in Jesus. You're in a safe place. Are you, are you getting pretty excited about the holiness of God? I want his untouchable nature to be all around me. Praise God. Don't worry, we're almost done here. Psalms 23, verses 4 through 5. You know Psalms 23, right? The one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That one, all right? Listen to these couple of verses. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and if you've grown up in church, it's 
through the valley of the shadow of evil. All right. I walk through the darkest valley. I will panic not. I will fear no evil. I won't panic. I can go through this valley. I've got people with guns aimed at me or somebody with an evil intention. This happened to me recently. I, I already told it, but I'll tell it again. I was at Sunday morning. Just not too long ago, I was walking down a street. I was getting re ready kind of spiritually, just praying for our service. And this guy pulls out, two guys, they hop out. Sunday morning, nobody on the street. They come walking at me. They're as high as a kite. I don't know if the guy has a gun. He's obviously coming at me to do something. And uh, you know what? I was in a holy place. You know, after a couple of interactions, both of them turned around, got in their car, and drove off. I was in a holy place. It says, no harm will befall you. But it says, you can be walking through the darkest valley. I'll fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. When Jesus is with you, you are in a holy place of protection. You don't need to panic about your family. You don't need to panic about your finances or your health. You are in a holy place with Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 5. This is crazy. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He wants you to sit down, even though you've got wolves all around you. You've got a mountain lion, a spiritual mountain lion that wants to chop your head off, eat you up. And, he's, and God says, you know what? I want you to sit down and I want you to eat this feast in their presence and not worry about a single thing. We pray, God, take it away. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. I don't want to hear it, smell it, or feel it. I want it out of my life. And he says, no, not right now. I want you to rest in the presence of your enemies because I have put you in a holy place. Isn't that something? So super quick, super quick. Let's just look at one quick example. Shoot, we're doing good on time. Why am I hurrying? Watch this. All right, don't worry. I'm not going to be long-winded. Genesis 28. Let's take an example of someone who stumbled into a holy place and was never the same ever again. All right? This is, and by the way, this just doesn't just happen to Jacob. This happens to every human on earth stumbles into a holy place at some point in their life, stumbles into Jesus. They, they, they come in, into contact with Jesus. So here's Jacob. I'm in Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. Here it goes. Jacob left Beersheba. Where was Beersheba? It's where he'd grown up. It was where his mom and dad were. It's where his brother, who he hated, was there. It's where it's all he ever knew. And he left it. Because his brother wanted to kill him. <laughs> it was a day of distress. Have you ever been stressed out of your mind? You're about to lose it? You're going bonkers because you're so stressed out? This was Jacob. In fact, he describes it later as a day of his distress. Distress. I hate being stressed out. No peace. Can't sleep at night. He's distressed. But listen to this. He set out for Haran, this other place that he was headed to, a place of uncertainty, I will add. And he reached, as he was trekking along, he reached a certain place, a holy place, a place he didn't expect anything good to happen at. He reached a certain place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set. And uh, he take, took one of the stones there and he put it under his head and lay down to go to sleep. 
What does that tell me about, about Jacob? He was homeless. He had nothing. He didn't even have a pillow. He had to take a rock and sleep on a rock. That's how bad off he was. All right? He is fleeing from his brother. He was distressed. His future was very uncertain. He had a dream, though, in which he saw a staircase resting on earth. That's the world which at the top of it was reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending ascending and descending on it. There above stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of, uh, uh, the God of uh, Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the very land that you're lying on. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. All the people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. So not only is this place that you're at holy, from now on this place is going to follow you everywhere you go. I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised for you. Jacob wakes up. He thinks to himself, surely the Lord is in this place. Now listen to this. And I was not aware of it. I'm going to venture to say that everybody here is a Christian. You all know the Lord Jesus Christ. What you don't realize is you're walking in a holy place everywhere you go. What if you realize that everywhere you went, there's 10-foot giant angels guarding you when you slept? when you woke up, when you went to work, when you went to school, what if you realized that? How would that change the way that you behaved? You'd be confident. You'd say, hey, I'm covered. And furthermore, I can pray to my God, and he's going to cover my kids and grandkids and my friends and my coworkers, and this holy place is going to be huge. How would that change your life? He says, I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? (laughs) When you're laying down tonight, I want you to have a conversation with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and say, Jesus, I'm in a holy place here. My, My household might be out of control, but I'm in a holy place here. You're gonna feel the presence of God all around you. You're gonna sense his presence. Your worries are gonna just, just, Go like mist. They're just going to evaporate because you're in the presence of the Most High God. I said, what an awesome place is this? This is none other than the house of God. And I want to tell you something about that statement. The house of God is someplace you want to live in. Don't be scurrying in and out of your holy place. Stay in it. Don't go depending on yourself or someone else. Depend on the Lord God Almighty and you'll remain in the holy place, in the safe place. He said, this is the gate of heaven. (laughs) In other words, this is my portal to the God of the universe, to him who is untouchable. Now I can reach up and I can be untouchable as well. Unbelievable. What a cool story. Early the next morning, Jacob took a stone. This is so funny. He took a stone, placed it. Uh, under his head and and there he set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it the dude didn't know what he was doing he was just making up stuff so he takes a rock he says i i don't know who god is because he didn't he didn't have any idea who god was 
he, he puts a stone there and he, he says, here, I've got some oil. I'm going to pour some oil on it. <laughs> he made up his own way of worshiping because he didn't know what to do. You know what? Worship God how you know how to worship God. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's not religious. Talk to God the way you can talk to God. And don't get all caught up in weirdness and churchiness. One of the biggest problems with Christians as they get to know Jesus is they have the temptation to become religious people. Don't do it. Don't do it. Keep your relationship with God real. Keep it Keep it authentic, man. Talk to God. But here we see J Jacob's funny. He makes a vow, but he doesn't make it to God because he didn't even think God can hear him. He starts talking to himself. Listen, he says, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food and clothes to wear, um, then I'll return as safely and bring me safely back to my father's household. Then I will make the Lord my God. He didn't even promise it to God. He promised it to himself. He didn't even have a relationship with God, but he'd stumbled into a holy place that changed his life forever. And the way that I know this is in Genesis 35, years later, he's married to three different ladies, I think. Maybe it was five different. I can't remember how many ladies. Totally dysfunctional family. Had done all kinds of rotten things, but still God was with him. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you commit your heart to God, you're in trouble. God is going to hound you the rest of your life if you try to walk away from him. You've got his hook in you, and it is almost impossible for you to get away from God. You are going to be so miserable if you don't live for God. And this was Jacob. He comes back many years later with all his messes that he's made, but he's learned more and more about who God is. And listen to this. God says to Jacob, because now he's hearing from God. That's a cool thing. He's talking to God. He's listening to God. He's receiving from God. God talks to Jacob. He says, go up to Bethel. Bethel was the place where he had had this vision. Go up to Bethel. In other words, leave your lowlands of your own self-reliance and go up to a place of God-reliance. Go back to the place where we first met. He said, and settle there. See, God wants you to go back to God, but he wants you to stick with God, to stay with God, to be faithful to God. Stop going after your own pursuits and go after God hardcore. He says, build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household, and he had a big household by now, he told them all, hey, as messed up as we are, screwed up as we are, let's go back to God. And that's what you and I need to do. Let's not get all cleaned up and prettied up. Let's just go to God as we are. And he will clean us up. So God tells his whole, his whole household, all who that served him, get rid of your foreign gods. Get rid of your idols. You know what your idols are. You know what you worship instead of God. And, and let me just help you define what an idol is. It's whatever you pay attention to the most. What do you think about the most when you, in the middle of the night, when you go to bed, when you wake up during the day, whatever you're thinking about, that's your idol. It might even be a worry. You've put it above God because you're always thinking about it. Here's how you know if you're serving the Lord diligently, if you're thinking about God. And only you know what goes through your mind. He says, get rid of your foreign gods. Purify yourself. Change your clothes. <laughs> I like that one, man. 
take off your despair and put on a garment of praise. Take off your self-reliance and put on God-reliance. Take off your pride and put on humility. But take the junk off and put on righteousness. Take off sin, put on God's righteousness. Take off self-righteousness and put on God's righteousness. Change your clothes, then come. Let us go up to Bethel, and there I will build an altar to the Lord who answered me in the day of my distress, who has been with me everywhere I have gone. Wow. See that one day when he ran in to God's holy place, he never came out again. <laughs> and I want, you, I want that for you. Don't look, don't look to other sources for what you need. Look to God, the God of the universe. He's beyond. He's untouchable. He wants to give you a place where you'll be untouchable as well. The last thing that's interesting here, once they did this, they went back to Bethel in verse 5. It says, The terror of God fell on the towns around them, and no one pursued them. And that's what happens, man. You to get into God's holy place, the devil is going to be scared to death of you. Evil people will be scared to death of you. Why do we not need to panic? Why do you not need to panic? Because you are in God's holy place. Stay there untouched by evil. Let's bow our heads.